Hello and welcome to Ask the Ed number 9, Cloud9. It's that feeling of elation after your team has won a big game that we all know so well. Even Ed3 can remember it despite being a Blackpool fan. He remembers it like it was yesterday, the 1953 FA Cup final. He was there on his pensioner's discount ticket to watch what has gone down in history as the Stanley Matthews final. According to him, it was Mortensen who should have got most of the credit. It's a feeling I get to enjoy every week after finishing the weekly Liverpool podcast with Ed Treble 6 and knowing it'll be a whole week before I have to talk to him again is a blissful feeling. Actually, I say Liverpool podcast, but we do digress a fair bit from the topic and it's probably more of another things, other teams and Liverpool podcast at times. If our lives were on the line and dependent on us staying on topic, we would be lucky to make it through a minute before death got us. Still, death will be preferable to another one of his anecdotes, jokes or hearing him sing again. Can you believe someone actually suggested he should sing at the start of every pod? Treble 6 now thinks he's the next Demis Roussos. In case you were wondering, Demis Roussos is Treble 6's favourite singer. I think he's from the 50s or something. He's even been planning which songs to sing. And said to me, and this is true, that he wouldn't sing every week as it needs to be a special treat. I think we have very different ideas of what a treat is. Treats were like a better version of peanut M&M's that sadly vanished. And that was all E.T.'s fault as no one had heard of M&M's in the UK until the kid fed fed the M&M's to E.T. and then they were suddenly everywhere. Gone with the 10p mixes to be replaced by M&M's and other weird American things they call candies. Presumably because they were not sweet enough to be called sweets. I mean most of them had peanut butter in. Before that, peanut butter was just used to put on a sarnie to give to someone's annoying little sister to keep her from talking, as the peanut butter would get stuck in her braces. Anyway, I digress. Sorry, I know it's not like me to do so, but I will get on with the questions now before my soapbox comes out and I start complaining about the price of Freddo's. The first question is from Corkred89 on the Liverpool site, who asks... Hi Ed, not 100% Liverpool related, but is there a reason why there are so many poor corners and free kicks that are crosses into the box taken at the highest level? A lot don't beat the first man. Well I think a lot of the problem, and this is just my opinion, there's no definite answer really to this, is down to them playing on such billiard table pitches all the time with regard to corners. When they're taking corners in training, the training pitches are usually on good flat ground with plenty of space around them. Then they get into st- into a stadium suddenly they're running up a slope they have little room to get themselves set their footing is off and it becomes an issue in the past players were used to uneven ground when kicking as pictures were a mess now they are suddenly thrown into something they're not used to it affects their mind as they step up as well as being a genuine physical problem added to that the modern set piece is much more precise than it used to be it is not just about hitting it into a dangerous area for players to attack now it's played into specific areas when an attempt to put just the right amount of whip, for example, or pace on the ball. It's not just about hitting a good ball, it's trying to put in the perfect ball, and that makes it much more difficult and less likely to happen. Sam Allardyce wouldn't like it, as he liked to play the percentages, and you are lowering the percentage chance of success down considerably. Now on to a question from Doc SK from the Man United site. Hi Ed1, I've read your views on Greenwood and Twanza Bay. I think it's called Twanzibay. Is it Twanzibay? Yeah, whatever. Please, could I kindly hear your thoughts on Tahith Chong, Angel Gomez and James Garner? Many thanks. I feel like I'm answering a movie trivia question here. In which film did James Garner star alongside Cheech and Chong? If only Cheech's real name was Angel Gomez. It actually wouldn't have been that much of a surprise as Garner was well known for being an habitual smoker of weed throughout most of his adult life and said he believed it should be legalised and alcohol illegal. Oh, sorry, sidetracked again then. Always liked Garner as he was a pupil of Bruce Lee and known for being one of the nice guys in films, often spending long hours on set. 
to help the minor actors and actresses learn their lines by reading through them with them off camera. He also did all his own stunts despite having a long-term knee problem which caused him pain. Anyway, I've only seen a little of the young Garner at United. Not enough to judge him myself, but I'm told he has a bright future. In fact, he's said to be the best in the youth academy at the moment. If he has his namesake's work ethic, he will go far. I feel like I should be telling him to be water, my friend. But if you're not a Bruce Lee fan, you would have no idea what I was talking about. Chong and Gomez I really like. Though I fear for them as they are, like most youngsters, very overcoached and an actual flair could get coached out of them as it pretty much has for Rashford now. It can improve them if they go down the lines of Sterling, but usually it makes their play robotic and predictable. Those two are excellent prospects who need to be told to keep playing their way and just work on improving their technique and spotting runs, etc. The only thing holding them back now from being ready for regular first-team action is the physical side of things. They need to be gradually introduced so that their body can grow into adulthood without suffering too many setbacks. An Arsenal site question from Gunner 93 is... Evening, Ed. Wanted some insight into Berry's situation. I'm from Doncaster, so I've always followed the Rovers from being five. My question is, if they fold, what happens to their place in the league and the games they're supposed to be involved in? Appreciate all the insight you give us and thanks in advance for a reply. Well, first off, apologies for being so far behind. You probably know most of the answer by now. Secondly, you have my heartfelt sympathy for being from Donny. As for Bury, they have literally just removed them from League One and the division will run with one less team for the season when they will relegate one less team than normal to return the numbers to normal at the end of the season. Uh, Bury are currently taking the EFL to court in an attempt to get back into the league, but for some reason the aim is to return them to League Two. I don't understand why they're doing that. Don't know why they can't just reinstate them back into League One and start as no, you know, and take the thing from normal. Then the whole thing is ridiculous. The money is there, but owners are causing problems. It's time the EFL did more to oversee how clubs are run and ensure they are working within their means. Right now, on to a question from the Boxing Site, and it is Roro1892 who asks, "Hi Ed, if you're having a fantasy dinner, who would be your three guests?" Well, as you've probably guessed from a previous answer, I'm a huge Bruce Lee fan, so he would be 100% first on the guest list. Second one, well, that would be Nikola Tesla, the greatest mind of his time, and he didn't need to lift ideas from his job at a painting office like Einstein, or simply buy ideas to paint for himself like Edison. He was a genuine genius who gave away all his ideas for free, only for people like Marconi to paint them and take the credit and make a fortune off them. We're still learning from his ideas and discoveries now. Picking a third one is a difficult one. I was thinking Angel Loxin just because she's my crush at moment. Then Sun Tzu or Miyamoto Musashi came to mind. Or my favourite author, Dan Abner. Or the legend that is Ed 2. But then I thought about having someone funny. Ken Dodd or Peter Kay, for instance. But I realised it'd have to be George Lucas. So I could geek out on Star Wars and make Ed 7 so jealous he would be physically sick. Next up is... Gianfranco Gola from the Chelsea site asking, Hi Ed, in the Abramovich era, who do you think has been the best player and the best manager for Chelsea? Drogba and Ancelotti for me. Just interested on your thoughts. Player, I would say best as in the peak best would be Essien, though Kante is very close. Essien just used a steamroller at the midfields. But best player over an extended period would have, have to be Aspilicueta for me. It sadly seems his time is coming to an end, but he has been an exceptional servant. The manager, you really have to say Mourinho from the outside. Ancelotti was just not there long enough for me to choose him. 
The next one is Ted Stuff from the Everton site, but I'm not sure if he means for an article or to discuss on a podcast. He says, Ed Wong, what about something about talent that went wrong? Was talking with a mate about George Green, a young talent with issues that got in the way of a promising career. There are many other player examples you could use. Thanks. Um, if you're going to let me know if you mean for an article or not, Ted Stuff, that would be helpful. Thanks, mate. So now it's to the Liverpool site. And a question from Silver Ed, whose question is, Ed, I'm having a bit of trouble. Who is that bloke who used to manage Huddersfield? Club's best man, wears glasses. Cheers, mate. Well, you'd have to be pretty thick not to get that one straight away. It is obviously David Wagner. It would take a complete pair of idiots to forget his name while recording a podcast, wouldn't it? Thankfully, we are professional here. And even if we did forget, we would just go back and edit his name in afterwards, wouldn't we? Ed and Spur from the Spurs site asks, why did no team try to sign Hakim Zayat? I'm sure I read somewhere over the summer he only had a 25 million release clause, and in today's market that seems quite the bargain. For starters, any release clause would not apply to everyone if it even existed. Ajax certainly did not need the money in the summer, so we're not really looking to sell him. However, the main reason is the player himself. Zayic is known for being consistently inconsistent. The only thing you can rely on with him is that he will be inconsistent. Even from moment to moment, he can do a wonderful piece of skill and then trip over his own feet a second later. But mainly, his attitude its known to be a problem and it has scared a lot of interest away. Thor's Hammer off the West Ham site is next with a question. Does the FA have any plans to show explanations of VAR decisions to supporters in Stadia? The retaken penalty at London Stadium had most of us scratching our heads. Well, they're supposed to do so already to put up the video the VAR used to make the decision so that the crowd knows what is happening with like a caption to show you what, what they're looking at. I'm not sure why they didn't do that for you. Maybe just teething prob- problems. Hopefully they will at least sort that particular issue this season, even if they don't figure out how to use VAR properly. And now the main man, Roger Red from the Nottingham Forest site, is back. Evening, Ed. Quick question. Why are fossilised clamshells found on Everest? Well, the most widely accepted theory, even, is that it was once the sea floor before the Earth's tectonic plates crashed together and it was forced upwards into the mountain we know today. But... Ed33 tells me that this is nonsense, and, in between adjusting his tinfoil hat, he explained to me that the planet was once inhabited by an alien race that placed them there as a big joke, and to throw people off the scent about how the Earth was really created. Stoner from the Arsenal site asks, Morning mate, do you know if any player's ever been a poster on this site? I mean any top league player. I don't know of any that have actually posted, though I do know a few, and agents, that have read them. I've had messages to have some points clarified in the past. I know one who read it, who went into management and even international management, that I can 100% say read the site in the early days. It was actually a very big help at the start and would often find out info for us. Southern Monkey off the Man United site asks, Tris, if I was 18 again and being paid 100k a week, I'd be dead by 16 purely through hedonism. Would you know and be interested in explaining what clubs do to help the kids deal with this, the fame, etc., please? I can make logical guesses, but I'm interested to know if there's a good process in place to deal with matters like this. I'm not actually sure how much it varies from club to club. I know academies have to have some, they have to have um, finan- what 
I suppose they'd be called lecturers in various disciplines, such as a financial advisor who gives them classes on how to handle the money and is there on hand if they need him and her, him or her on how to deal with the money. And this is not just aimed at those that make it, as they still need to understand how to deal with their finances if they're only making, say, £200 a week instead of £20,000 a week. Um, there are classes on using social media, what to say, how to deal with the abuse, etc., Though most tend to farm out their social media to companies these days. Um, the big problem is the fame. There's not a lot they can do to help kids deal with it other than trying to keep their feet on the ground. But that is almost impossible. Any young kid showing promise, there's so many people in his ear telling him he is great, agents, etc., whispering promises of riches, that they do struggle to keep their feet on the ground. A lot of the clubs do make matters worse by pandering to them as they are afraid of losing them to rival clubs as well. It is a problem that will never truly be solved as there is no real answer to it. Aston Villa site poster Scott Cafu asks, Should we have the 39th Premier League game abroad like the NFL do over here? No, it's a terrible idea, just like it is in those other sports which only think about money and not about what is best for the sport. Going to see your team play a league game at home should be something to aspire to or it loses value. Do you want your product to be a Bentley, a Ferrari or similar which everyone dreams of or do you want to give it to everyone on the cheap, a Kia or some similar which no one dreams of owning? To a degree it's different in those American sports because there is no rivals to them so they can go and just worry about making as much money as possible and creaming it all in. But the Premier League for instance has got La Liga and Serie A to compete with so it has to keep itself up there as the aspirational league otherwise it's it, you know it runs the risk of losing its luster Liverpool poster Heisen MSS asks apart from South Korea Japan and maybe China do you think there's a chance for us Asians to see any Asian players to play in top European leagues any exceptional talents that you know of coming from this region I remember Ed too shared with us here about certain changes in work permit criteria. No more FIFA World Ranking is such a relief, but much of the criteria involves a lot with the financial aspects, fee wages etc. I feel those are still huge stumbling blocks, given that most clubs might not be willing to spend as much for talents from this region. Cannot blame them because none have actually made through so far, so it's quite a huge risk. We do already have players like uh, Ariola and Etheridge, the two Filipino keepers. That will probably be the way it will start. One's born and raised in somewhere like England or France who make the first team and then inspire the next generation in their parents' homeland. I don't know of any right now in the youth systems that stand out. I've not heard of any in Asia outside of the three nations you mentioned that are seen as potential stars. But things like the ISL is a big step forward and a competitive home league is something that needs to happen if a country is going to produce players of a high enough standard. So you can see players play at a high level regularly against each other, it is difficult to judge their ability. It will happen in time, it's just a matter of time, because sort of, you know, there's lots of these big clubs uh, setting up academies. And while they're setting up these academies in places like India purely as money-making schemes, they will have a knock-on effect and produce better players just out of sheer volume of them going through it. And the final question from this edition is from Southern Monkey again who is obviously a fan of my wonderful pronunciations and names, as I always manage to speak the names like a native. Unfortunately, a native of some country that has never even heard of the language I'm trying to speak, but still, it's a native. Anyway, he asks, Hi, Edwan, good day to you, sir. Out of Sifawi Shabala, Shabalala, the South African, Yevgen Konopilianka, the Ukrainian, Panagiotis Taxidis, the Greek, 
Leon Goretzka, the German, Mapu Yanga Mbiwa, the f- who's French, Benoit Asu Ekoto, who's Cameroonian, Stefano Sharawi, who's Italian, and Vasilis Torresidis, Greek, oh, and Simon Kaya, who's Danish. Which is your favourite player and why? Well, it was a much better day before you hit me with that bunch of names to mangle. And no, I didn't spend a week practising them before recording this podcast. It was six days, which you can probably tell. Well, it's certainly not Kaya. For years, while Aga was with Liverpool, we'd be linked to him every transfer window, despite him being hopeless. I'm going to go for the easiest to say one of them. Um, and as I have to say it again, which is obviously Panagiotis Taxidis. Yeah, he's my favourite them because he's the easiest to say. So there we have it, the end of another Rasty Head, and you're probably on cloud nine right now thinking, thank God that's over. Don't worry though, before you get too excited, there will be more Rasty Heads, so keep those questions coming in. Well, maybe not you, Southern Monkey, but the rest of you, keep them coming and take care. Oh, and one last thing, I hear there have been reports in Bootle of the dead rising and zombies shambling round the cemetery. Well, I can lay your fears to rest, they weren't dead or zombies, they were just very elderly. It was me, ma and two of her sisters we searched in their family tree in Bootle Cemetery. The dead are not walking the earth, just the very old.